Hey everybody, this is Mike, and today is October the 7th, 2020. If you look outside, you can see there's a storm a-brewing. That's <laughs> both a literal description, like a storm's brewing outside, but there's a storm brewing outside also. You know, that's a metaphor too, so... Um, Today's talk is going to be, uh, I'm going to pick up where the last one left off, and I'm going to go into really understanding fourth dimensional consciousness so that we can um, move off it. And I'll get into that a little bit later on into this video, but I want to begin... Um, I want to begin with some stories. You know, I like to tell stories. That's what I do. I like to tell stories. Uh, you know, we as the five-fingered ones are story beings. We like stories. When you mix um, uh, emotional body with mental body, you get a story. And so that's what we like. And um, one of the reasons I want to go and tell these stories or just tell stories in general is because... It is our natural way to want to hear stories, and if we are not hearing them from each other, we're hearing them from this magic box, you know, these produced package stories, and uh, <laughs> you don't always know exactly what what you're uh, what you're uh, taking in on your story. So I'm going to begin this story with the story of a story. So a couple days ago, um, me and my lady were watching um, watching a show with with the little girls, and you know it was the weekend. And they're like, "Can we see a movie? Can we see a movie?" And we're like, "Yes, you can see a movie." And we opt to show them bed knobs and broomsticks. And whenever a movie comes on, whenever the opportunity for me to watch uh, TV or movies come up, because I've got like a you know I've got like a, a real um, conflict with that you know i was born and raised with with movies like i'm part of this 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 thing which we're all part of this fourth dimensional consciousness and so there's a part of me that really likes it like you know i get it like you know they're good it's like sugar you know it was made for us to want to consume it but now i watch them a little bit differently and i watch them with the eye to be like all right what's hidden inside this so so we go and we watch this movie bed bed knobs and broomsticks so let me hop in on this um so uh if you're not familiar with it, it came out in 1971 it's a live action animated musical fantasy walt disney uh, walt disney uh productions it is based upon a book called the magic bed knob or how to become a witch in 10 Easy Lessons, which was released in 1943. Um, and what's also interesting about this, in, in previous videos or presentations, I talked a lot about Mary Poppins and particularly the London, um, 
the London opening games and, you know, the significance of Mary Poppins is from the same time, uh, same people who made that movie made this movie. Uh, but there's one small thing I really want to pull out. And the reason I want to pull this out is because this is why, like, you always got to be concerned about listening to the stories from when, when, when you're taking it from, from the, from the machine. You know, this is, this is a 1971, uh, made for kids movie. And so, uh, within it, you know, I'm just, I don't want to go deep into it, but there is this, uh, uh, it does have to do with, with, with magic and witchcraft and the primary, um, spell, you know, which was going to like save them from the Nazis. It takes place in, in, in England is this thing called the substitutiary locomotion. Let me see something real quick. Uh, no, I don't have it up. Uh, so anyway, so, um, let's go look into that a little bit. So the whole thing in this plot was in order to do this spell, they needed, um, hold on for a sec. How you doing? There we go. Good to see you. Um, so in order to do this particular spell, where does it say? Does it say this right in here? Um, uh, they had uh, Miss Price, she's, she's the main character. She learns that the spell is engraved on the Star of Astaroth, a medallion that belonged to a sorcerer of that name. And so, like, that is, like, the, that's the plot device in this, in this movie, that this, this witch played by Angela Lansbury, and, like, you know, you go and look at her, her, her history, you know, she's more than just an actress, as they all are. But anyway, um, you know, that's this, this star of Astaroth is, is significant. That's what it's all about. This is the key to it. So let's go look at the star of Astaroth. This is a screenshot from the movie. Uh, you've got like some made up Latin words. Uh, I, and then you've got this word, which was an Egyptian word or an Egyptian goddess. But I really want to point out here, we've got D. John D. plays a little bit of a, a jump into this. Um, and we can see this is what it is. And this is it. It's bed knobs and broomsticks, the star of Astaroth. Well, who is that? Well, Astaroth uh, in demonology is in the first hierarchy. And he is on the same level as Beelzebub and Lucifer. They make the evil trinity. And so in this whole song, or this whole movie is like, or at least the main part, they, they sing the song, this conjuring song. That's the lyrics. They're summoning it up. They're summoning up this demon. Look, this is the actual sigil of um, Astaroth. You know, it, look how much it looks similar to it. So, I mean, the point I'm saying is like, you know, we're... We're, we're story creatures. And so we want to be mindful of our stories where we're receiving them, you know, particularly when we think that they're going to be very, very, um, uh, 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 you know, you can trust them. You know, this is for kids, you know, particularly now. I mean, we all know about Disney, but 1971, you know, this movie, this movie was actually released two weeks after my birth. Um, but nonetheless, like, you know, you know, it's, 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 it's always been the same thing. Like, you know, everything that was going on back in, back then goes on now and back when, you know, when, when, when movies began. I do want to point this out, which I thought was interesting. Um, this here is a picture of, um, what's the name? Mary Norton. Mary Norton's the one who wrote the original book. Here's a picture of her from the forties. And I'm not saying like it looks exactly the same, but this here is J.K. Rowling, the, uh, the supposed author of 
Harry Potter, I don't believe that for a moment. HP, Harry Potter, HP Blavatsky, HP Lovecraft. You know, maybe you start to see some sort of um, coding in there. Nonetheless, you know, it's... Uh, I don't think, I'm not saying they're the same people. I'm not saying they're clones. I'm not saying they're not. But what I'd say it definitely is, is what's known as the, um, the, the, the doctrine of signatures where we begin to recognize, uh, archetypical similarities just because they look alike. Um, Maybe I'll go into Harry Potter a little bit later, but who knows? But so just want to point that out. I found that was interesting. Um, and now I want to go into, uh, <laughs> Coming to an actual story. That was the story about the story. So uh, today, today, um, it started out unbelievably beautiful. So friggin' beautiful. One of the things which which I've come to appreciate, you know, I'm, a, you know, I'm almost 50 years old. One of the things which I've come to appreciate um, through experience is when there's a beautiful day. You know, maybe you live in, in San Diego. Maybe you live in a, in, in a climate where like every day or the majority of days is balmy and, and sunny. But if you experience the four seasons, uh, you know, like I do in the mid-Atlantic, you know, you you become uh, aware like, you know, not, not every day is summer. Not every day is the same. And then within that, that whole continuum of what a day could be like, and particularly nowadays with, you know, weather being manipulated the way it is like when a good day happens when a beautiful day happens like you appreciate it or you know so today start out as one of those days and i uh um me and jenny and the girls we went down to um we went down to gnome countryside so gnome countryside here in lancaster county is a bit of a um it's a legend. So let me go. I got some pictures here. So, uh, is that there? We'll start right here. So, um, Gnome Countryside. It's run by this man right here who's a very good friend of mine, Mr. Rich. Uh, and he has turned his property into, this is Gnome Countryside, return home and honor the, um, honor the forest environment in your lives. And and he's turned his entire property in southern Lancaster County into a place where, you know, it's really ideal for like first graders where they get to have like a um, like a little bit of experience out in the forest. And he dresses up like a gnome. He tells gnome stories. And it's this really kind of neat sort of place. And But it's much, much deeper than that. But like on the surface, that's what it is. And so uh, Mr. Rich here, he's uh, 80 years old. Um, this man is a spectacular human being. Um, I think three different documentaries have been made about him for different reasons. One of them being like the longest, uh, people who've, ha who've lived with diabetes for over 50 years. Uh, uh, he's been in books, you know, people who built their ho houses by hand. Uh, just a spectacular human being. Um, he's walked across the country three different times, ridden his bike across the country. Like he's just like a, a, an exemplary sort of person who's lived life based upon their own rule sets. Um, and so, uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough to call him a friend. And so this here's his house and he has a sauna. So this here's his house. You walk right in. Um, actually his house burnt down his original house, which was, uh, um, 
part of us, uh, the original part dated back to the 1700s. It burnt to the ground and the community came around and, and like rebuilt this house, but uh, this new house, which is spectacular. But so you walk in there and it says, Home Dakota, which means welcome my friend. You know, it's, it's, that's the spirit of this man. And the reason why we came is because we went to his sauna. I've probably been to like maybe 30 or 40 saunas at Mr. Rich's house. And this is what his sauna looks like. It's a very rustic sauna. Uh, probably a little bit, a little bit more, um, close to like a, a sweat if you're familiar with that than like you know a sauna which you would go to in a spa but nonetheless it's it's this real magical place is what it looks like inside it's in the greatest picture but you could see it's kind of rustic this is um the heat comes out from um the heat is generated from this this furnace if you will wood burning furnace underneath and then this window there is this window and you sit inside here and you throw water on this and it gets you know it gets really friggin' hot in there and you go there to to sweat and um i've had amazing experiences there um he always is inviting strange people there and what's interesting is like you know the the um I mean, it's not required, but it's a sauna. And like, you know, Mr. Rich is always nude. I'm nude when I go there. Most people are nude, but he doesn't tell people that. Like, you know, there are a lot of people who are not anticipating going into the sauna that they have to be, you know, uh, sans clothing. And so you go and you get to see, you know, where people are. I've taken saunas. I've taken saunas with an Amish man who wore wool pants in the sauna, which is one of the funniest things. But you, you get, you hear stories and it's just a great way to get to meet people. But um, the real point of why um, why uh, um, we were there now and what and why the sauna is important is um, sauna is about detox. Um, I've been asked uh, by a bunch of people. They're like, you know, how, how are you preparing for what what's seemingly going to come? And, um, and that's, and this is kind of like the nature of, of what all of this, um, of what this presentation is going to be about. And it is, um, it's a, it's about addressing addictions. We live the fourth dimension. I'm going to get into this and I'm talking fourth dimensional consciousness. I'm talking all about consciousness. This is all about consciousness, or at least that is my particular area of interest is talking about the role of consciousness, but, but the fourth dimensional consciousness, particularly the, um, expression, which we're experiencing is addiction. Addiction is a big, big, big part of it because fourth dimension is about dominance and slavery in every single, um, in every single uh, 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 possibility of its expression and addiction. Addiction is, um, you know, the ultimate, the ultimate um, slave master, if you will. So that being said, you know, coming to terms with that, you know, we think about addiction so much uh, in terms of like these very extremes, um, ex extreme 
visions of of what it is to be an addict and obviously that's like you know that's not good and we have like addiction crises across um particularly you know north america you know with opioid opioid addiction but um addiction is is the 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 lesser at least obvious addictions are the really most pervasive ones and are the ones which in my opinion are the the uh the hooks the glue which are going to be holding us onto this fourth dimensional consciousness so like the first thing is recognizing what fourth dimensional consciousness is and then secondly breaking off from it and breaking off from it is not going to be easy because it's we're addicted we've been raised to be addicted so the reason why I went to Mr. Rich's today. Well, I went to Gnome Countryside, and the reason why I go to to the saunas is because the sauna is, you know, one of infinite ways of detoxifying the body. And what I'm particularly interested in within myself is sugar, you know. Um, I don't drink anymore, you know. It's never like a bad drinker, but yeah, yeah, like I drank on a regular basis. I love to have two beers every day. You know, I love to roll my own cigarettes. I love to smoke cannabis. I loved all that sort of stuff. Um, I don't do any of it anymore. I certainly miss it. <laughs> I'm certainly glad I don't, but I'm finding like the sugar addiction to be the most pervasive. And in order to move out of fourth, fourth dimension, you have to be free. Like it's, you can't just, you, there's so many layers and, and, and I'm going to get into what fourth dimension means in a little bit, but this is, this is what at least answering the question, how I uniquely am preparing. And it is freeing myself the best I can from my addictions. And I think it's all, you know, there's so many addictions. Another one is, um, is, is this, is, is, is the technology, you know, um, another another thing which is which is very complex because the whole thing with 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 the internet is it is designed to make you addicted and on many different levels the most um you know from one level is just like the physiological addiction with the electromagnetics and all that sort of stuff but then there is the emotional sort of connection uh, addiction and that comes mostly from um, from social media, like all of the different, like if, if you look at the different uh, platforms from social media, they've all been designed to kind of work on a different level of of like vulnerability and addiction. Um, part of what the last fifty years has been has has been really uh, deconstructing, destroying any sort of stability in the home life um, to various degrees. Like that's culturally wide true and it's, you know, each individual household is going to be unique. But when you have an unstable household growing up, um, the byproduct is an emotionally unstable individual and again 
we think about like the same thing with addictions. Like, you know, when you say an addict, like, you know, most people come to mind with like, you know, maybe someone with like a crystal meth addiction and like what that looks like and how that presents itself. And when we think about like the emotional, um, being emotionally unstable, like you might think about like the really, really like extreme, uh, uh, um, what do you uh, nar narcissism narcissistic personality disorder um uh borderline personality all this sort of stuff um you know they talk about empaths and narcissists and all that sort of stuff At the whole culture everyone everyone is emotionally destabilized like because everyone is like the 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 like what we think of as stable is is still friggin like unstable they're just like less you know it's like you know the sugar addict is as addicted to that substance as like the crystal meth addict it's just like not so obvious or like more accepted or everyone's got it so it's like we've all we all live in a culture of 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 a a unstable home life culture life um which creates unstable human beings which requires like this really strange relationship with the need of um with the need of emotional reassurance you know that's what happens you have an unstable household and then there's a part of you which um as a child, it's looking for stability. And, and one of the ways we understand that is through emotional, emotional stability. Like, I want to feel safe. I want to feel safe. And so we grow up into, um, we grow up into adults, you know, adults by, by age, you know, by nothing else. And, um, there's part of you and each of us is varies which is looking for that reassurance which never happened as a child and that's why the social media works that's why it gets a you become addicted to it because the likes and the feedback and all of that sort of stuff is going down to like you know early childhood sort of like we all naturally as human beings like to have feedback that's you know that's that's none uh, our positive positive reinforcement you know that's that's just you know better like to get like a pat on the back than a kick in the ass i suppose but um we as a culture and you can really understand it by generations but it's it's we are already vulnerable for then what social media is and so social media is another place of great addiction um i myself uh you know, if you're watching this, you're probably watching this on YouTube. Um, I don't engage, like, I, I recognize, I recognize my own limitations within social media. And I also recognize there's a certain value to social media right now. And so I have my own boundaries in how I work with it. Um, uh, I don't engage in comments. You'll, you won't see any comment. I don't respond to comments. Uh, just because I'm crossing the line because it's the entire, the less you engage in any way, even if it appears to be like not a big deal, uh, it's a slippery, slippery slope. Um, you know, side note for those of you who do want to have some contact, I'd recommend like emailing me. Uh, maybe I respond to those. Maybe I don't. Um, you really want to like you know we can always have a session but like you know that's just that's just the way the way things are 
But that's how I uniquely deal with with the danger. And and don't you know? I don't want to mince words. This is dangerous. Like the the internet's dangerous. It's inversion. It's fourth dimensional. It's all this sort of stuff. So um, I don't even remember how I got on this path. Got onto this. So anyway, so so it's addiction. So addiction. That's what it is. So addiction is a major major part of the fourth dimensional consciousness. Not only in terms of the experience of being an addict. But then also that addiction is going to be, is going to grow with greater ease within this consciousness. Like it's a feedback loop. Um, I want to go back and, and finish one more thought as it relates to the, um, the emotional, uh, um, uh, damage, for lack of a better word, of what has happened to, to, you know, humanity growing up in these, like, you know, really since 1945, 1945, it's like when everyone returned back from World War II, it was like, bam, that's when, that's when it really, like a big shift happened and they really, really started to, like, apply the pressure into the actual household. So, like, there's one part of the, the equation which responds by, like, needing a lot of emotional like reassurance and feedback and then there's the opposite which is like totally emotionally dead and actually needs to go and cause emotional pain you know that's that kind of like what they call like that that narcissistic empath uh uh relationship you know i don't like those words because it uh but it's based upon the truth there in terms of like, you know, this, this meat grinder, which everyone went through. It turned out like more or less two types of people and they're, they're being drawn into each other and they are re, they're two sides of the same coin. So we're going to get a little bit more into that in a moment. Um, but right now, what I also want to show is, uh, <laughs> You know, I'm like teasing, I'm purposely teasing uh, about getting into the, the description of what the, uh, the fourth dimensional consciousness is. And the fourth dimensional consciousness, uh, being able to understand it is so that you know what you're trying to move out, or at least to me, that is the narrative which makes the most amount of sense. And I'll get into narratives in a little bit. So... Um, the last week or so, I'm going to share some of the stuff I've been making. I've been making bags. Um, I don't know. I just know how to make bags. I like to make bags. Um, the, this was all free leather given to me from a friend of mine who like upcycles stuff. And so I get a great, a great kick out of making bags out of like this free leather, uh, for like these stones. It's another bag. And when I'm at work here, I like to go and make bags and and make things. And one of the reasons why I'm doing this, uh, because I think it's, you know, well, I just like to make stuff. You know, I, it's, 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 it's satisfying. But another part of um, this what I'm working on right now. See this? Show you the back. So here's known as, I think they call it, um, I don't know what the, the official name is, but it's called a Chinese writing stone because the natural, like, these um, these markings are said to look like, like Mandarin characters. And so uh, this is like a symbol of, that's, that's used, 
like to help with writing, if you will. And so I went a step deeper and I'm putting on in sand all of the letters of the alphabet. Uh, and, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why I do all this. Um, there are two reasons. So the first thing is another part of um, fourth dimensional consciousness has to do with, with money and even more specifically our financial system. There's, there's a whole bunch of um, layers within fourth dimensional consciousness. I said fourth dimensional consciousness is, is um, inherently about dominance. Um, but within this, this big, this big uh, continuum about dominance, there's also a smaller part which is about parasites. And a parasite is a very, very... Um, specific type of dominance. In fact, it's probably the nastiest of, of, of dominance because when you are under the influence of a parasite, you are unaware that you're under the influence of a parasite. Like, let's say, like, you're like a literal slave. Like, you know, you've got like a master who owns you and you're chained up. At least, at least you understand the nature of the arrangement. It may not be a good arrangement, but you understand the rules of the game. A parasite, and I mean this physically, spiritually, every type, how parasite works is a parasite feeds off of its host and it makes the host want, almost always against the host's own uh, um, best interest, what the parasite wants. So whether that's a type of food, often sugar, you know, that's why we can get off sugar. Um, but then uh, spiritual parasites, they feed off of a very nasty type of emotion. And so they create, they make the host go out and, 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 and desire to have that particular experience or food in order to feed the parasite. And that's never in the best interest of the host, but the thing which is so insidious about parasites is the host thinks they want it. And so what's bad about that is you are unable to trust your own instincts because your instincts are calling for something and if you're being honest with yourself and you understand that there's a parasite or at least the potentiality of a parasite you have to be able to ask yourself and maybe you'll be able to answer the question honestly but it takes courage to do so but am i doing this because a parasite wants me to do this or am i doing this because you know this is generally what i need to do so that being said we live or our 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 financial system you know the the central bank system is parasitic in nature um we could talk a lot about money uh i actually have a degree in finance you know it's like i know money i like they didn't teach any of this stuff when when i when when, when i was going to school but um you know, maybe one day I'll, I'll talk more about finance, but, but there is a need for money. There's a need for, for, for exchange. There's a need for exchange and that, that exceeds, um, different dimensions of consciousness. And what I personally am interested in is what I call fifth dimensional consciousness. And I'll talk a little bit 
more about that in a future video. But fifth dimensional consciousness is um, like third dimensional consciousness. It's about harmony, whereas fourth dimensional is about dominance and it's not harmony. Uh, the fifth dimension is about harmony, but it's about independence. And, you know, part of getting out of the fourth dimension requires immense imagination immense imagination and so what that means is to have an ima to imagination is the ability to think of something outside of your context and so this is why capturing the imagination is so important to you know disney and and fourth dimensional control systems because when they capture your imagination what you think about in your fantasy life your thoughts are within the fourth dimension and so it's like that's good it's like you know maybe maybe you'll rebel against something specific hold on for a second hey how are you uh, i'm doing well thank you for asking um the loose stuff in the bags you guys know the drill all right thank you you do the same all right so um the the fifth dimensional consciousness or at least to get to fifth dimensional consciousness is going to require a lot of imagination third dimensional consciousness doesn't require nearly as much imagination because it's easier to look down it's much harder to look up so okay so that being said that being said that being said um we still need money we still need money and the the fourth dimensional, um, the fourth dimensional financial system, this parasitic, uh, uh, this parasitic model of central banking, which um, you know, by definition, by definition, creates a a a a downward mental spiral. You will always be in debt because the foundation of central banking, the the dollars which are created from the central from the 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 first central bank comes with an interest and there will never be enough money in the money supply to pay it back it's not meant to be paid back it's meant to create an energy of never of always being in debt and it feeds off itself there's only one thing that can survive uh uh and thrive within this type of parasitic financial service or uh, model and that is what's called a ponzi scheme uh the only ponzi schemes they allow are are um, stock markets and you know you could create your own ponzi scheme with your own friends i'm not saying to do that because it's illegal and the last thing i want to do is tell you to do anything illegal um but you could go and as long as people were like constantly putting a hundred dollars into a pyramid scheme like you could set it up so and as long as people were constantly adding to it that every month everyone's getting fifteen thousand dollars or what have you like you could set it up that way like that's what they do but they make that illegal but that's what I'm saying. It's parasitic. But that being said, there's money. And so in my imagination, whether or not this is going to be true or not, you know, and I just say that for disclaimer purposes, um, I think we're going to make our own currency. 
and what you make is going to be unique to you. And so I make things and, and they hold value because real currency has intrinsic value. I don't, you know, unless gold is doing something for you, if you're using gold to do something other than we agree that gold has, has value, I don't think gold has intrinsic value. Um, that's my personal opinion. I'm not giving any financial advice here. Um, and I think that, that these things for currency are, are more so for fun and games. Because we don't need to buy. It's, 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 the fifth dimension is different. It is a different type of experience. But I'm not getting there yet. Nonetheless is when I do stuff like this, in my mind, in my imagination, I'm creating my own currency. I'm creating something which people are going to want to touch. People are going to want to hold. People are going to want to do something with. And so that's what we have here with this. Chinese writing stone with the with the English letters written upon them, um, made out of sand, volcanic ash, and you know, human ingen ingenuity. So the other thing, which I think is interesting about what we're doing, the same thing is true with bags. You know, uh, part of our addiction of fourth dimensional consciousness is um, there's a sense of lack of not having enough. That's part of the inversion. You know, everything. So we're talking about consciousness. Consciousness is one of those words which is, it's, it's hard to define. It almost exceeds definition. So we can use definitions, but it's still greater than that. Like love would be another example of like these words which people use a lot, but I don't think they really know what they're, they're referring to something, but I always, if I'm talking to someone and they use that word love, I'm like, well, define it. Let me know what you mean by that. And a lot of times they can't even define that. But anyway, so consciousness. Consciousness is one of those tricky words as well. Um, and consciousness refers to like how we perceive the outer world, how we take in information, how we take in, how we interpret what we're looking for. But consciousness also has this strange relationship with our actual experience. You know, one level of consciousness of this relationship is, I got someone pulling up here. Oh. How you doing? We're closed on Friday. We're open on Saturday. I don't work Saturday, so I'm not certain what the hours are. Uh, the hours which they have out there, they may be right. They may not be right. I think, uh, I don't know if those are the right ones or what I'm saying, but we are open on Saturday. I'm just not certain when. I don't work Saturday. No, not me. So the grass clippings, all of that is uh, chopped up and they turn it into mulch. So that big pile of mulch you see out there. So something happens with the grass clippings when it goes through the process and it, it does it messes up the mulch. So that's why no grass clippings. You could put the branches in there. If it's like a woody material, you could put it in there. Yes. You got to finish the work. Do you have any with you right now? Gotcha. So we're open today till 6.30 and then tomorrow to 6.30 and then Saturday are, it's definitely not open to 6.30, probably till 3 o'clock. But I'm not certain when it opens. Okay. No more bags. The bags are all gone. Yeah. We got hoarders. You're welcome. Have a good day. All right. Uh, it brings me so much joy to interact with people. 
I can't even tell you how much I love this. Uh, and particularly over something like this, over like dumping off their, their yard waste. Um, you know, sometimes I got to tell him bad news. I had to tell him he can't bring his glass clippings here. But it's like, mm, to be able to, 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 to have a real interaction with a human being right now, uh, it's the greatest gift. So I don't even know where I was. What was I even talking about? <laughs> so, um, oh, so the, so the second part, this is what I wanted to say. Okay. So, um, computers. Computers are for our fourth dimensional product, their fourth dimensional idea. Um, computers, and I've said this many times, it's like they, one of the ways you can recognize parts of the fourth dimension is that it is anti-human and or anti-earth. Human and earth were the same thing. They were the same thing. And and what's good for the earth is good for the human is good for the earth and so forth. And so when I say in harmony, the third dimension and the fifth dimension are in harmony, it means that it is not anti-human and it is not anti-earth. It's like what you're doing is in harmony. It is going downstream. The fourth dimension is going upstream. Sometimes there's, there's a purpose for going upstream. You got to go upstream. I'm not saying the fourth dimension doesn't hold its purposes. I'm just saying like it's not sustainable. Like let's say if you spent your entire life in a little canoe and you're trying to go upstream and you're always in your canoe, when you fall asleep, you're going to be brought downstream. It's not sustainable. But if you're going downstream, you know, I'm just assuming like there's no rapids and there's nothing that's going to knock you out. Like you're theoretically always going downstream. That is in harmony. So, okay. So what we know about the fourth dimension is that it is, um, it is anti, uh, it is anti-human, anti-earth. We know that with computers, like all manufacturing, all manufacturing. You know, this is why you need imagination. You'd be like, what? You're telling me that all manufacturing? Well, what's our life going to be? I don't want to be a caveman. I don't know. That's why you got to use your friggin' imagination. <laughs> but, okay, so, so all the, all, all manufacturing, all the stuff where you go into the earth and, and just the entire process of destroying ecosystems and, 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 and destroying everything you know in order to go and refine it that is a major indication of fifth dimension is things that are refined what is refined you're taking it from um, a certain natural state and you're changing it and you're refining it and you're refining it and you're refining it the more you're refining it the i mean there, there's a benefit i get it but then and there's actually an inverse to an inverse truth to the refining process as well but on the fourth dimension it is like you know the more refined the more disconnected it becomes from actual reality and the more inversion it becomes and so the 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 the, the, the computer is the most refined fucking thing you'll ever see how the hell is your computer once a bunch of grass stones wood or what have you you know i'm being a little bit facetious when i say that but that's how refined the process is but nonetheless nonetheless you know, through the computers, through the internet, through all of this sort of stuff, you know, it allows me to go and communicate to you. You know, theoretically, I'd be standing on a corner with like the end is near sign. And, you know, I wouldn't be able to, to talk to anyone who I'd be who would be able to listen that. And, and you know, because of computers, because of all that stuff, we have this this sort of um, short window of opportunity in order to do so. And so there are some inherent truths. And so that's part of understanding the fourth dimension. In fact, by having a, 
a clear understanding of the fourth dimension, you can you can move out of your your um, your your limited imagination for those of us that are caught in it. Um, because we can go and identify what is fourth dimensional consciousness, what is a product of fourth dimensional consciousness, because it is inherently out of harmony with either the earth or like, you know, the slave labor to create this, the slave labor of the, of the, of the sad sap who has to work like, you know, uh, a weak ass hourly job to sell stuff, like all of that sort of stuff, um. Side note, I went into the mall. I love going into malls. I love the, you know, to me, that's anthropology. Uh, and seeing what's happening, I walk by the Apple store. And the Apple store is the only store in the mall, which I'm at, where they're like putting the gun on the forehead. And, you know, if you understand the hierarchy of, of retail space, it's like, you know, that's what's coming. Well, it begins with Apple, goes everywhere else. So nonetheless, so there's a truth about computers. And... You know, maybe you're into crystals, maybe you're not. But for the people who are really into crystals, and I kind of have a weird relationship with crystals, and this is what's a side note. I've always been drawn to crystals. I've always liked stones. I've always collected stones. I've made collected stones from everywhere I go in the earth. I believe that's the truth of humanity. I think part of what we do is we take stones from one part of the earth and we deposit it to other parts of the earth. And that's one of the ways we keep the connection. And, uh throughout the earth you know that's just that's, that's how i see it but i've always been connected to stones i've always been connected to crystals but not so deep into the metaphysics because i've got a suspect of a lot of the new agey stuff that's not to say that i don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. but since i've i've been sugar free and i'm going on like six weeks eight weeks without any sugar i was never like hardcore sugar but sugar was always in my system um <laughs> you know, things have gotten weird. Some of the weird things have come with crystals. And one of the things which, which people are really into crystals, they do, is they program them. And I've always known when I looked at computers, and I've always said that computers, there has to be something else. There's got to be something else which is inherent, which, which do the same things which computers do, but it's just not computers. It's just not based upon a fourth dimensional product. It's the crystals. And... This, this kind of aha of programming and the correlation between like the programming of the computers that, you know, maybe I'm saying something that makes perfect sense to other people, but to me, I never, I never really own that so much. So when I make these things, they're not just symbols as much as they are, these are programs and they're programs to assist us because a computer, so the computer, the entire computer industry was sold to humanity as a bill of goods. In the 70s, everything worked fine, you know, for the 70s. They were happy with business. And then all these computer companies came up and they convinced buyers within business is that they're like, listen, buy my computer and it's going to make your life better. Instead of working 40 hours a week, you're going to work 20 hours a week and you're going to get just as much done and your life is going to get better. And like, you know, fast forward right now, like people who, who, who still work in an office job, they're working 60 hours a week. They're never separated from their, their phones. Maybe, you know, there's this strange connection. You're never not working. You're never not a slave. So you're sold a bill of goods. But nonetheless, that's interesting. Whenever I make a piece of art, if anything happens to it, 
I never look at it as a mistake. I always look at it like, you know, it may have come about it as a mistake, because that just was. But it was meant to be. And so this tiny little piece broke off. And so I look at that as part of the programming. That's part of a fifth dimensional uh, outlook is understanding the holism in everything. There are no mistakes. And asking yourself, what was that to do and what was that to bring? But nonetheless, so these here are what in my mind are programs of actual, you know, these are actual computers that are meant, what a computer was actually meant to do was to make your life easier and better. And the inversion computer that was sold to all of humanity in the 70s because it was said to improve their lives, but it did no such thing. The truth, the true computers, you know, they're going to go. They are going to go and, and, and improve your life. So that is another one of these ideas in which I'm playing with. And when I'm making these things and with art, you know, there's nothing better than when you make something with your own hands because there is a certain quality of energy which you put into it. And when you understand the materials in which you are using and where they came about and what they are, it just adds to the depth and the quality of, 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 of what, you know, the product may be. So, okay. So, we talked a little bit about, um, we talked about the fourth dimension as it relates to parasites, and it's just being a small part in recognizing the parasite. Sugar. Sugar feeds the parasite. Really, diet. Diet is, is, is one of the most important things to consciousness. Um, I'm using the words consciousness. I think another word which has multiple meanings, and I'm going to throw this out there, and I think this is a truer, uh, maybe a, a, a true, a more accurate word than, than consciousness, and it's assemblage point. Um, you know, there's a lot of meaning as it relates to what the assemblage point is. This is a phrase was first came from uh, Castaneda, but it has grown from there. And, um, you know, I would encourage, I would encourage uh, an understanding of assemblage points to really understanding what, what, what fourth dimension is and the fourth dimension assemblage point. So, so diet, so that's where, back to diet. Um, the fourth dimension, at least in our history, it begins with the advent of agriculture. At, prior to that, there was the, 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 um, the hunter-gatherer, um, and then agriculture came. And agriculture is when... Um, agriculture is when we first really started dominating the, um, the environment. And again, I'm saying like, you know, to me... To me, the narrative which I hold, and I think narratives, all narratives are limited, but, you know, we hold narratives as being humans. Uh, there's a certain way of being which you don't have a narrative. Um, I like having a narrative. Uh, I would recommend if you have narratives, if you hold narratives, two things that you hold a narrative that empowers you. And then you also are not so connected to your narrative that once a better one comes along, you're not, uh, you're not afraid to release it. 
Nonetheless, nonetheless, nonetheless. Um, agriculture is when the fourth dimension began. This is when our diet changed. This is when warfare changed uh, or was introduced to humanity. Um, I've got a sneaking suspicion this corresponds with the concept of the Nephilim. The Nephilim as what they were said to have taught um, taught uh, humanity. But, you know, my narrative is like we're moving through the fourth dimension, you know, to go from the third dimension to the fourth dimension or the fifth dimension, which is the higher expression. You know, I think that's what's literally happening right now. The entire world is changing, you know, and there is a change in our earthly environment. And to me, that's the indicator. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe this isn't right at all. But to me, I think it's a pretty clear marker that the stuff is changing and this is the opportunity. And so the opportunity is to move outside and, you know, I, you move to wherever you want to go. Like, I'm not telling anyone where to go. But what I am trying to do right here is to teach you how to recognize what the fourth dimension is. Because this is how the fourth dimension works. It's addiction. It's control. It's it's sneaky. And yes, right now what's happening is that there is this obvious, like, you know, there's this, this corralling into this immensely parasitic controlling um, uh, what I'm calling Saturnian expression of the age of Aquarius, astrology is fourth dimension. Third dimension and fifth dimension, there's no astrology. It only makes sense in the fourth dimension. I, you know, I hate to break that to you. Um, I use it, but I use it to understand this, this environment. Um, but I recognize like it is just a tool for the fourth dimension. But nonetheless, um, part of the trickery Part of the trickery of what is happening with fourth dimension is it's all about dominance. And so when there's a dominance, our culture is based upon dominance. And we've got some people who are higher up on the, on the hierarchy and are lower on the hierarchy. And they're calling for a revolution. What is a revolution? It's just a turning of the wheel. And they're turning the wheel from who's on the bottom of the, of the, of the wheel to the top of the wheel. Who was once dominating is now going to be dominated. It's all fourth dimension. You know, and there's some people are just going to stick on the fourth dimension. But if you want to get out of that cycle, you know, the two options are at least that I see. And again, this is the narrative. This is the narrative. Maybe go without a narrative. But the narrative is you do third dimension, which is easier to understand. That's hunter-gatherer. That's literally 100% dependent upon the earth. And then there's fifth dimension. And we'll talk about that later. But that's what these are about. To understand the fourth dimension so you don't get caught in the trap of, of wanting to then become the dominator. You know, that's what, that's what's being pushed right now is to hold you into the domination. And you're held into that because of your addictions. And one of the strongest addictions is sugar and diet. And diet all changed when agriculture was introduced. So going back to third dimension, you know, we're here hunter-gatherers. They're friggin' hunters, just like a little bit of gatherers. The food which we think of in terms of vegetation, fruits, you know, uh, beans, for the most part, they've been highly, highly, highly modified over the last couple of thousand years, and they look nothing like that in um, in uh, the, the, the three-dimensional consciousness reality. Um Sugar was not there. Uh, fruit did not look like what fruit looks like right now. I mean, the, the, the sugar, and this is when it gets into, like, if you go and you look at, if you, if, if you pay attention to, like, all of, like, the, the neuroscience studies that were done throughout, um, 
throughout like the 50s, um, uh, Truth Stream Media and their Of Minds and Men uh, documentary is fantastic. Like, you know, I thought I, I knew a lot about what that period of time and the research was and, and the MK Ultra stuff. Uh, I knew when I watched it, I learned a whole lot about that. And the reason why you want to, to, to watch that is one, you can understand more so about how your consciousness works, but then also like, you know, how we got here. But what you'll see is throughout this whole, like this time of, of, of immense, like neuroscience study, it was all about understanding pleasure centers, which you know, it's, 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 it's couched in a certain way, but these are addiction centers. How to make you more and more and more addicted, addicted, addicted. The better we understand pleasure centers. Um, you know, it's the difference between pleasure and pain, like, you know, uh, or pleasure and pain. The difference between pleasure and joy. That's something else we got to recognize. What is true within, within the, the, the human body before it began to be tinkered with, like, you know, we didn't have sugar. The reason why sugar is, is one of the reasons why sugar is so, um, detrimental. Not only is it what feeds the parasites, but it's what hardwires your ner your, your biochemistry to become an addict. Because there is nothing more pleasurable to, than sugar. Like, you know, pleasure is an of the senses experience that's different than joy. Joy is much, much greater. Um, and there's a place for both of them, but there's a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy, you know. Um, and when you begin to add sugar, and sugar is not naturally occurring, at least in the way it is nowadays, for the last hundred years, the way that we're, we're receiving it, and it really, like, it turns the um, pleasure center of the brain, like it, 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 it opens it up in a way it's not meant to be. And so what happens is it's like always chasing that dragon and it wires the, the chemistry in the body to want like pleasure. And this is where we start to get into this addiction where we're wired to become addicts or we've been manipulated to become addicts. Um, if you're familiar with, with maybe some of the techniques of MK Ultra, any of this like mind control, um, MK Ultra is is ultimately a um and I'm specifically talking about like you know uh MK Ultra could refer to like a general umbrella term but I'm talking about like turning people into like these extraordinary um uh extraordinarily adept machines in different areas and that's what MK Ultra can do it can bring turn us into like super soldiers super assassins, sex kittens, super performers, super athletes, like all of this stuff are MK Ultra stuff. And like, you know, they do that by understanding the natural ways which which the psyche works and then weaponizing it and they're refining it. Remember we talked about refining, like the more you refine something like, you know, the less the less inherently true it becomes. And so that's where you see like these these um extraordinary gifts so that's mk ultra and if you're familiar with like you know the techniques and the horrific techniques in which they do like you know one of the things which they do are these these beta sex kittens is what it's known as and so part of 
that process is to create an unnatural sexual appetite within the, the, the victims of this, of this trauma. And the reason or the, the way they do that is, hold on, how you doing? All right, thank you very much. Um, and how they do it is they begin to 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 they they, they sexualize the, the 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 human being before they're ready to 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 be sexualized, you know. And and even if like against, it's always like you know is is you know that is a dominant sort of thing. But when it's done before the onset of puberty, that's how when you know like you're, the the human being is ready to 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 learn about sex or to uh, is because the body begins to show signs. Like being human really is not that hard. You pay attention; it tells you there are all of these indications of when you're ready for the next thing. So what happens is when you introduce something too early, it creates this this um, this like. Uh, 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 larger than necessary expression. So that's what happens with these like beta sex kittens. So when you start introducing the sugar, like really early in, or like really anytime, but like a two-year-old, like, you know, a three-year-old eating ice cream. I mean, arguably, like there's nothing better than ice cream. I love ice cream. Like who doesn't, right? I'd like to imagine what would it must have been like. Imagine you never had ice cream before. And then suddenly you try ice cream for the first time and like what would happen? But when you, whether it's ice cream or what have you, like when you start being hit with these huge amounts of sugar early on, it wires the brain in such a way to have an unnatural need for pleasure of these huge dopamine hits and like, you know, like of particularly sugar, anything which is going to like really get those spikes. And so I don't even remember how I got on the sugar contact context, but it is through sugar. It is through, through all of these means. Um, sugar is the addiction and it's being addicted. Oh, that's why. And so we're addicted to our fourth dimensional consciousness. And we, 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 whether or not we go down the path, this draconian path, which is being presented, the most important thing, in, in my opinion, is to recognize what fourth dimensional consciousness is. Being able to see, you know, how you've been born into it, and then beginning to be able to separate yourself from it. And to me, that's all about addictions. And to me, the most important one is sugar. You know, that's just me. You do your own sort of thing. But being able to control your addiction to all of the different pieces which are holding you on to the fourth dimension. Because even if you're able to recognize what are the trappings of fourth dimension, um, consumption, you know, just buying things, you know, Amazon, the fact that you can buy anything and have it delivered to your house, like that is like... That is, that is crack like you can't imagine. Um, it will continue to hold us on to a certain level of consciousness when the truth of the matter is, and the reason why they're, they're pulling out all of, the, all of the, the, the traps is because there could, and I say could because I can't say for certain, but there could be right around the corner, this opportunity to stepping into a way of being which from where we are right now only looks like fantasy. So this was Mike. Uh, I 
October 7th. You know, I didn't know where I was going to go with all this stuff. Um, applaud you for sticking around. I hope that this, this was um, uh, satisfying, uh, interesting, um, uh, food for thought. Um, until the next time, you know, keep smiling.